This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Luke chapter 2, reading from verse 21. When eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name is Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen. By the time of Christ's first advent, true, authentic, loving God, Abrahamic faith, religious life, and Israel had come to a very, very low ebb indeed. The scribes and the Pharisees had reduced it to a largely legalistic form of religion, but without the power of God. And in their fervor to get people to adhere to the law of God, they hemmed in the law of God with a lot of man-made laws and rules that they themselves made over many years. In fact, uh, when it came to the Sabbath, they had well over a thousand other rules hemming in the Sabbath law. And the idea, of course, was that that, that people, if they keep those little laws, then there was much danger of them breaking the big laws of God. But of course, in practice, that didn't really work. People were sick and tired of all the religious, legalistic laws that had no bearing on God's word whatsoever. And then, bit by bit, people began to be turned off. And they began to turn away from true faith in God. And that's why 30 years later that God sent John the Baptist with a thundering message of repentance, trying to get the nation to repent and to turn back to God and be prepared for the Messiah who was to come. And so considering that the rest of the world was, was pagan, 
and idolatrous and steeped in superstition and all the rest of it, and considering that Israel was to be the light to them, was to enlighten the nations of God, the true God, but they had failed abysmally to do that, and so it was time for the true light of God to come into this dark, dark world. And that's why Jesus, the light of the world, was born in Bethlehem. But God is never, ever without his witness. No matter how dark things were spiritually in the land, he was never without his witness. Mary and Joseph, John the baptizer, Zechariah and Elizabeth, his mom and dad, the shepherds in the field, Simeon that we're going to speak about in a moment, and Anna who came just immediately after him. All of these were genuine, authentic, God-believing believers. And they loved God. And even though there were few and far between, yet there was some in Israel at this dark time who had not bowed the knee to Baal. And Simeon certainly was one of those. And so this morning I want us to focus our attention on this faithful witness, Simeon. God made Simeon a promise. A promise that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Until he had seen the consolation of Israel, the Messiah, the promise of God. Simeon was a godly man. It says he was just and devout. He was a righteous man. He loved God and everything about God. And he loved the house of God. He was a godly man. He was well acquainted with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, you know, New Testament believers now, we, we tend to forget that the Holy Spirit was very active in the Old Testament. And he came upon men and women at various times and did incredible things. The difference is, in the New Testament, after Pentecost, the same Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon people from time to time, but he lives within every believer. He has taken up residence within every believer. And so this man was acquainted with the Holy Spirit. He must have spent years in the temple just reading the scriptures continually, loving the word of God, loving the house of God. Uh, and I'm, uh, he must have been listening for the voice of the Spirit, guiding him and talking to him. And I, I wonder how the Holy Spirit actually told him that Messiah was coming and that he would live to see the day when he would see Messiah with his own eyes. I wonder how long it was for when God gave the promise until the promise was fulfilled. Only God knows when he gives you a promise how long it will be before that promise will be fulfilled. But God always keeps his promises. God is a promise keeper. And when God gives his word, he stands over his word to perform his word. Abraham had to wait 25 years for the promise in his life to come true. Joseph had to wait well over 20 years, probably 22 years, for the promise that God gave him to come true. Jesus waited 30 years before he entered into his public ministry. God is never in a hurry like we are. God's timings are always perfect. 
And one of the secrets in the believer's life is to trust the timings of God, to realize and to know that he's never late. He's always on time. We may think he's never going to come. We may think he's never going to fulfill that promise. We may think he's never going to do what he felt he should or would do. But if we hang in there and trust him and believe him, his promises will come true. Psalm 32 and 9 says, Be not as the horse or the mule. The horse needs a bit in its mouth to restrain him as he gallops ahead. The mule needs a stick to get him moving. One wants to run ahead. One wants to stand still. One is impatient. One is implacable. One wants to go ahead of the master no matter what. The other, you just can't get him to move at all because he's stubborn. But Simeon was not like the horse or the mule. Simeon was a patient man awaiting his master's timing, awaiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, whether he got that promise when he was maybe a young man, we don't know. But what we can surmise that from the moment he got the promise that every day after that, he was waiting, knowing that it was going to happen, but not knowing when. Now, sometimes that can be frustrating. It depends how we look at it. But if we say, well, God gave the promise, so I'm going to trust the timing to him, then that helps to take some of the frustration out of that. It's just trusting and believing and waiting for that to happen. I wonder what Simon thought as he went into the temple every day and he poured over the scriptures. I'm sure he was well acquainted with the Messianic scriptures, the promises that Christ would come. And he would know from Micah where he would be born, Micah 5 and 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Isaiah 9 and 6 would fascinate him. For unto us a child is born, Unto us a son is given, and a government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And I'm sure he must have been thinking, what will Messiah look like? Never mind when will he come, but what will he look like when he comes? Will will he be like John the Baptist who just came out of the desert? Will he be like, like maybe like David, just as a young boy, how Samuel the prophet separated him from his brothers to be anointed king over Israel? What would he be like? Would he be a military man, as many in the nation would have wanted him to be? Would he be a priest, people thought, as all the priests would have wanted him to be? Would he come as an adult, fully grown? Would he come as a young man? Would he come as a little child? All these thoughts must have run through his mind. Was it an audible voice that spoke to him? Was it a deep impression? Did it come in a dream or a vision? Was it something he read in the Law and the Prophets? 
that made him sit up and think more deeply. See, God has many ways to speak to us. He can speak through his word. He can speak through an impression. He can through, through a vision or a dream. He can through, speak through prophetic gifts. God has many, many ways to speak to his people. Now, we don't know exactly how the Spirit moved upon Simeon to assure him of this promise. But what we do know, he was absolutely convinced that God would keep his promise. God is a promise keeper. Hallelujah. And if God has ever given you a promise, you need to hold on to that. Somebody says, never doubt in the dark what God's gave you in the light. And so one day, we read in verse 27, one day, Simeon, led by the Spirit, it says, came by the Spirit into the temple. Of course, he would go to the temple every single day, but this day was different. This day, there was a spring in his step. This day, there was a, a quickening in his heart. This day, he sensed that something is going to happen today. He just knew because the Spirit of God was directing him. This was by divine appointment. His patience was about to be rewarded. Simon was just an ordinary man, but he was just and he was devout, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and that made him different than his contemporaries. There wasn't too many like him in those days. And if we are righteous in Christ, and if we are devout in our devotion to the Lord, and if we have the Holy Spirit then that separates us from our contemporaries. That makes us a little bit different. Not that we get the credit, but that he gets the credit, because it's all by his grace. And then suddenly, his eyes fell upon this young couple with their little baby. And they'd come to offer up two turtle doves and two pigeons. Now, usually that would be a year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a turtle dove or a pigeon for a sin offering. But Mary and Joseph were quite poor. And so in the law, there was allowance made for that. So if you couldn't afford a lamb, then you could bring two pigeons or two turtle doves, one for a burnt offering, one for a sin offering. And it's obvious then in reading this that the wise men, in spite of what we show in our nativity scenes, the wise men hadn't come by this time. That would be later, because otherwise, what, well, I had enough to buy a lamb. But so he comes in. And the Holy Spirit must have said to Simeon, Simeon, this is the one. This is the Christ child. This is the consolation of Israel. This is your promise coming true. This is the Messiah. And what an exciting moment that must have been for Simeon, because maybe by this time he was a much older man, maybe an old man. He'd waited all these years, and then suddenly, right before his very eyes, he sees the promise of God coming true. What a moment it is when you've been believing for something for years, and then you see it come true. And this is what happened to him. And so after decades of trusting and believing, his faith has finally turned to sight. 
wonder what Mary and Joseph were thinking when this total stranger came up to them and said, could you give me your baby for a moment? There must have been something about Simeon that these two recognized as godliness. There was something about Simeon that was godly and it could be seen and felt. And so they handed over their little bundle of life to this complete stranger. But this was no ordinary baby. And Mary and Joseph were certain of that. Zacharias and Elizabeth were certain of that. The shepherds in the fields were certain of that. Simeon and Anna who would come after him were absolutely certain of that. And the wise men who would come later, they too would be certain of that. This baby is Emmanuel, God with us. This baby is God incarnate. This is the very Son of God himself. And so as Simeon holds this little baby in his arms, there must have been a lot of things going through his mind at that moment. But I think one of those things would be God has kept his promise. God is a promise keeper. God will always keep his promises. In 1 Kings 8, 56, it says, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. Romans 4, 21. That which he has promised, he is able to perform. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10.13 Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Christmas of anything should remind us today that God is a promise keeper that God will keep his word. No matter how long it takes, God will keep his promise. And so, he's holding this baby, and he begins to prophetically sing a wonderful song. We call it today the, the Nunc Dimittis, which is Latin for the two words it begins with, now Lord or Lord now. Mary sang her song, the Magnificat. My soul does magnify the Lord. Zacharias' prophetic song in Luke 1 was the Benedictus. And the angel that came to Mary that made the announcement, that's the Annunciation. And all of those is worthy, by the way, of her reading and her studying. All of them are precious. All of them are full of gems for us to understand and to get the full picture. And so the first advent of Christ was a glorious time. The angels heralded his coming by praises that filled the sky. The shepherds glorified him also. John the Baptist leapt for joy in his mother's womb whenever Mary visited Elizabeth. Zacharias 
You remember he was struck dumb by the angel because of his unbelief. But whenever he finally wrote on that tablet, his name will be called Jesus because nobody else in the household's name was called that. When he did that, his mouth was opened and he began to praise God and he began to prophesy and rejoice. And Simeon too is prophetically singing and rejoicing. And Anna the old prophetess next, immediately after him began to do the same. And so it was a time of rejoicing and joy and gladness that the light of the world has come. And then in verse 29, hear how he starts. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. The saints of God should depart in peace. Over these past two weeks, we have conducted two funerals. One of Clifford's mother, a dear old saint of 91, another young woman who used to be in here many years ago and served in this house, only 62. But both of them departed in peace. In their final breath... They had lived for the Lord for years. And when it came time to depart, they departed in peace, knowing where they would go, knowing the promises of God would come true. Now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. God is a promise keeper. Verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Mary sang in her Magnificat. She says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary, lovely as she was, precious as she was, pure as she was, was a sinner like we are. And she needed a Savior like we do. And she acknowledged that. I rejoice in God, my Savior. Verse 31, he says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. It must have been a shock to anyone standing around when they heard him saying, a light to lighten the Gentiles. Because they weren't looking for a Messiah for the Gentiles. They were looking for a Messiah for themselves, the Jews. The thought of a Messiah for the Gentiles had never entered their mind, ever. And here is, by revelation, that Simeon is saying that this child is going to be the Savior of the whole world, not just the Jew, but the Gentile also. That's why we're sitting here today. What a revelation that was. Do you know it took the church years, years for that penny to drop? Because in the early church, it was contained in Jerusalem. And thousands were being saved in Jerusalem. <coughs> and it was a good while before it moved out of Jerusalem, even though Jesus said it would start in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. It took years for that to happen because they didn't grasp that. Even Jesus in his ministry, in the Gospels, it was to the Jew first. 
and they were happy with that. But he came unto his own. They had the first privilege. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. And then he turned to the Gentiles. And even though Philip went to Samaria, of all places, among the Samaritans, had a great revival there, but there's lots of questions about it, and I had to send Peter and John down there. But it really, really wasn't until Acts 10, until Peter got that vision, that revelation, to go to the house of Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and how then the Holy Spirit fell on them as of the church at the beginning. And that just blew it wide open. And of course, the great apostle Paul began to take the message of God's grace to the nations. And yes, there was Jews in all of those nations. And wherever he could find a synagogue, he would preach to them also. But the reality was there was more Gentiles being saved than Jews. And that is still the case to this very day. There are more Gentiles saved today than Jews. But that is until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled, the Bible says. And then there's going to come when all Israel shall be saved, the Bible says. All of this is in the timings and in the promises of God. Verse 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Hmm. Mary marveled whenever the angel Gabriel came to her and made that great announcement. Mary marveled whenever the shepherds came to see the Christ child. And here again, she's marveling. The Bible says she, she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And this is more confirmation. And you know, not too long from this moment we're reading, they would have to go into exile, as it were, into Egypt, because Herod wanted to kill the baby, the infant. And so all of this was confirmation. So when they go into Egypt, there would be no doubt in their mind. No doubt in their mind that this was the Messiah, the Son of God. And so here's a wonderful confirmation. Anna the prophetess, the old prophetess, if we just read the next few verses, she just comes immediately after this and more confirmation. God has wonderful ways to confirm his promises to us and to confirm his word to us. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them. Wonder what he said. He blessed them. I wonder it was the ironic blessing. I wonder it was a spontaneous prayer from his heart over them. I suspect that it was. I wonder they lay hands on them. Remember, this is a man who's acquainted with the Holy Spirit. This is a man who's saturated with the Word of God. And he blessed them. You know, whenever we have dedication services in the church here, don't we always pray for the couple? Don't we always pray for the parents and bless them? Because what an awesome responsibility that parents have got. And they need encouragement, and they need wisdom, and they need strength, and they need grace, and they need patience, and they need help. So Simeon blessed them. And note this, he said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child 
is destined for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own heart also, that the thoughts of many may be revealed. Notice that Simeon, directed by the Spirit of God, speaks very clearly and specifically to Mary, his mother, it says. After this incident, by the way, the only other time we see Joseph mentioned, of course, then later on was whenever Jesus was 12 years old in the temple. And you remember they, they lost him for three days and they back to the temple and they find him sitting, talking with the learned doctors, asking them the questions, giving them answers. And they, they, they chided with him. He says, do you not know I must be about my father's business? And Joseph is never, ever mentioned again after that. Never. And so we suspect that, that Joseph probably died long before Jesus ever started his public ministry. Certainly long before Jesus was crucified on that cross. And that sword pierced Mary's heart also. And so Simeon prophetically led by the Spirit is telling you are going to have your heart pierced because of what's going to happen to your son. He said that Jesus would be a sign spoken against and still is. I mean, there's almost there's so many programs on television that blaspheme the name of Jesus. In the workplace, in your workplace, oftentimes you'll hear people blaspheming the name of Jesus. Never Muhammad, but Jesus. Lots of times they don't even realize they're saying it. Sometimes they're not even conscious of it. It's just a word to them, an expletive. as a sign spoken against, even to this very day, that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. And the thoughts of many hearts are revealed when people encounter Jesus, even to this day. You can't be neutral with Jesus. He says, you're either for me or against me. So there's no neutrality. It reveals the hearts of men, even to this day. And so Simon's prophetic word, his prophetic song, the Nunc Dimittis, tells us that God is a promise keeper, that God will keep his word, that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Hallelujah. to the glory of God by us. John Bunyan said the pathway of life is strewn so thickly with the promises of God that it is impossible to take one step without treading upon one of them. <laughs> and his great classic Pilgrim's Progress he said when Christian and hopeful lay helpless in doubting castle the property of giant despair Christian said, what a fool I am to be in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty 
I have a key in my bosom called promise that well I am persuaded open any lock in Doubting Castle. Then he pulled it out of his bosom pocket and began to try it at the dungeon door whose bolt as he turned the key gave way and the door flew open with ease and Christian and hopeful both came out. <laughs> One promise of God can make all the difference. And so, this Christmas time, God is a promise keeper. Has he given you a promise? He can keep his word. Don't doubt it. He can keep his word. He's well able. The only thing is the timing. And that's the period when we have to trust him the most. Because that's out of our hands. That's solely in his hands. Amen? Lord, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that it enlightens us, it encourages us, it inspires us, it teaches us to trust you, to believe in you, to depend upon you. Not to lean on our own ways, but to trust in you with all of our hearts so that you can and will direct our paths. So let your church be blessed today. And let us remind ourselves this Advent season that all your promises are yes and amen in Christ. And we give you honor and we give you glory. And we thank you for your coming to this earth. We thank you that you came at the right time and the right way. And you came to do the right thing. And here we are today, 2,000 years later, the recipients of all of your sacrifice upon that cross of Calvary. We give you thanks for it in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.